Hello, everyone. This is um, Claudio Murgan, the host of the Spiritual Inspired Podcast. And um, today, my guest is Angela Della Agua. Angela is the Golden Oracle, an initiated priestess in service to helping others access the divinity within each of us through heart opening, healing work, ceremony self self care, and spiritual practice. She has been rooted full time in Joshua Tree, California, since 2011. As a devoted initiate of the desert, she embodies her role as a priestess to work as a divine healer, spiritual teacher, and ceremonialist. She is renowned for her work with sacred nourishment, fasting, yogic practice, ceremonial cacao, as well as an artist and photographer. Her ability to find beauty in all things enables Angela to recognize the divinity that dwells within everything and elevate the mundane to the sacred in everyday life. She continues to follow the path of the open heart as her sacred work continues to evolve and expand in her private session with clients, online courses and workshops, healing retreats and ceremonial films. Her radiant energy reaches people around the world who seek spiritual guidance, soul level healing and embodied self life. Angela, thank you very much for uh, joining me today. Thank you. Thank you so much for the invitation. It's an honor to be joined by you today. Thank you. Thank you. I would like to start by um, finding out how did you end up with this name, Angela de la Agua? Well, it's, uh, it was a name that, that was given to me probably about 13 or 14 years ago. Uh, it was a name that was given to me before I was living in the desert and divinely received. It was something that just came through. You know, it was uh, a time in my life when there was a lot changing internally and, and the name, my name as it, as it, as I was born with wanted to change with, with how I was shifting. So that, that came through um, pretty clearly. And it's interesting because as soon after that, I ended up living in the desert. And up until my move to the desert, I'd always lived near the water. I'd lived near the ocean or, you know, big bodies of water. Uh, and so there's something really interesting about how I was being guided to take on this, this name, La Agua, or El Agua actually is what it is in Spanish. Uh, that means water. And so interesting that I, you know, was kind of bringing in this 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 heightened energy of water with me to a place where there is no water <laughs> that would be you know setting the the stage for the next cycle of my life living not near physical water uh, but it's definitely uh, it's it's an element that I strongly identify with and uh, very much in tune with with feelings and emotions the things that water you know represents and symbolizes so yeah, a little bit about that. <laughs> yes, and to me it was very intriguing because I look at it from a very symbolistic uh, point of view that you are the water in the desert and people, the, the oasis if you want to say so, and people will come to you to quench their thirst, and in this case spiritual mm -hmm. thirst. Yeah, I love that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's interesting too because uh, that, that, that certainly I think... It, could be true for sure and I feel like that's been part of my personal journey in the desert is finding the water in the desert and it not being a literal uh thing you know it's symbolic and, and finding the the juice the nectar of life that's really in everything whether it's obvious or not <laughs> and over the years did you find that the energy of the, of the desert is much more potent than the, the one of the the water or they are pretty much the same Oh, they're so they're so different, um, you know. But it's the water can can be so can be everything, you know. It can be everything, but the desert has a tendency towards the extreme, you know. So in terms of elemental medicine, <laughs> the desert has very intense, extreme type of medicine that it offers. That it can be through whether it's the heat or how dry it is, uh, or through sharp prickly things that are just, you know, inherent to the plant life here. <laughs> uh, it tends to be a tougher teacher in that way, uh, where water has a tendency towards being 
more nourishing, more gentle, you know, but it can, you know, they both can, can be both at the same time. The gen- the, the, there can be a gentleness to the desert also that's quite beautiful and profound, uh, very deep, profound peace found in the stillness of the desert. Um, and in my journey living here, which at this point I've lived here full time in Joshua Tree for uh, 12 years. So it's been a long, deep, embedded relationship where I've lived here in solitude. So I've had the opportunity to really get to know this environment and this land in a very uh, personal kind of way and really have learned the depths of appreciation that I have for these things that on the surface or on the outside looking in uh, feel, um, you know, they feel like there's a sharpness to it or, or something um, unpleasant about, you know, the dry heat or (laughs) being in a place that might, you know, be perceived as not having a life or something like that. When in fact, it's just brimming with life force here. And, there, it said that the 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 Mojave Desert, where you know Joshua Tree is part of the greater Mojave Desert, and and it said that the the diversity of plant life that's here is second to the rainforests. So there's so much life here, but it's on a very different scale. It's on a micro scale. So a lot of it's invisible; you can't even see it. It's it's like in the soil. It's in the earth. Uh, so I find all of this really fascinating and part of the the extraordinary beauty uh, of the desert. So like in any other environment, uh, we have to pretty much be observant of what's around us in order to identify the, the life forms um, beyond the microscopical level, of course. And uh, as you mentioned, 12 years uh, yeah. gave you enough time to to be that observant. Absolutely, absolutely. I certainly wasn't observant like this before coming here. <laughs> Being here and uh, arriving in the desert was the beginning of a massive journey of transformation for me. And uh, and what my life has evolved into is, you know, it, it looks nothing like uh, where I had been before or, or life as I knew it uh, prior to, to being in the desert. So I really came here in uh, a state of openness and receptivity to what the divine had in store for me, because I didn't really know why I was coming to Joshua Tree. It was uh, a move that I made back in a time when there was nobody living out here, really. And, um, you know, it's very popular these days, uh, Joshua Tree, but I didn't know a single person back then. There was not the presence of social media like Instagram like there is now there was no Instagram when I moved here (laughs) and uh you know and it took uh, a long time for me to uh find my community here and establish connections and and relationships outside of just um, being on the land but it definitely set the stage again for just really slowing down and uh, paying attention to the most subtle shifts and the most subtle little pieces of of life that are just ever present. And it's been the greatest gift of my life at this point is the ability to to recognize, you know, how meaningful, how much life force there is in, in like a little tiny grain of sand or in, in a twig that's dried up. You know, it's like I've, I've I really have uh, genuinely, authentically been able to connect with with this level of awareness where I see and recognize the beauty in all of these things. And uh, there's, there's something I, I, I like to say about this journey that I've had it here, which is I, I have found the nectar that's in dried up things. <laughs> yeah. So what's the, the move to uh, Joshua Tree, a consequence of, uh, let's say, life-shattering event or a continuous communication with your um, spiritual guides who told you that you have mm-hmm. to move? Yeah. Well, when I moved to Joshua Tree, it was uh, highly unanticipated, very unexpected. Uh, before I was aware of Joshua Tree, I was living in L.A., and I'd always lived in, in Southern California, so I'd really only known this kind of L.A.-influenced sort of reality 
Um, and I love, again, like I love water and I really resonate with water. So I always wanted to be near, near water. I have never been to the desert, even though Joshua tree isn't that far from LA. It was, um, not something I'd experienced, but I was at a time in my life where things were falling apart. And it was the seeds of my awakening that were taking place where I wasn't in my dharma. I was not on my spiritual path. I wasn't aware that I needed to be on one. <laughs> I didn't know what that was. And so I was very much asleep, you know, for the for for a long time how it feels to me. I was asleep for a very long time, but you know, things because I wasn't aligned with with the truth of my nature, uh, nothing was working out relationships and work and and uh, things like that. Everything was consistently not working out. And so I was noticing these cycles and these patterns repeating themselves. And I wanted to stop them. <laughs> I wanted to pay attention to these things that I kept trying to to perpetuate and recognize like, you know what, I think I, I, I have to just let all of this go. And I had come to the desert for the first time uh, with friends with, on a day trip. And I was open. It was the first time in my life I felt open and curious about what's outside of, of this reality. I've that the reality I've known my whole life, like what else is out there? And Joshua tree immediately just vibrated so strongly it's a powerful place if anyone listening has never been uh the energy here is very powerful and it totally took me by surprise and so i i immediately something shifted just connecting with these boulders uh these magical powerful boulders here in the national park uh and I basically just couldn't stop thinking about Joshua Tree <laughs> at that point moving forward. And I would come back as often as I could and like just on my own. Like, and I, that was new for me at that time too, was venturing out into the world by myself where I'd always been very reliant on other people being part of um, anything that I was doing. So I was finding my, the truth of my heart that was saying, you need to be out here. And it doesn't matter that nobody else, you know, can go with here once it was something I wanted and it didn't involve anybody else. So um, because nothing was feeling uh, aligned for me in, in my life in LA, I didn't know what alignment, you know, meant for me. And I didn't know what, you know, uh, I was seeking necessarily. It just, all I knew is I needed to be here. My heart was happy here and that's all that I knew. And so there was this defining moment that changed my whole life that involved me being in the Joshua Tree National Park, sitting on a beautiful boulder, watching the sunset. And it was a weekend trip that I had taken. Um, and this is probably about eight months into uh, my first time coming to Joshua Tree. And so I was really depressed watching the sunset because I knew that <laughs> when the sunset was over that I was going to have to get off the boulder, I was going to have to get into my car and drive back to LA and go back to that LA life, to that job I didn't like and 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 the, and the you know the the things that just weren't resonating anymore. And and I realized like wow, if I'm so depressed thinking about having to go back to what I believe home is, I don't actually have to do that. Like, well, I'm so happy here on this boulder right now. This is where my joy is. Why don't I just stay here? Like, I can change my life. I can move to Joshua Tree. And it was just this a shift in my thinking, you know, it was this awareness that I have the, uh, I have free will. I have the ability to change my life if I want to. And I don't have to live in a certain kind of way that everyone else seems to live, you know. And again, because nobody was coming to Joshua Tree back then. <laughs> uh, and so it was just the knowing, this is what my heart wants, and I'm going to follow it. And it was literally the first time in life that I had done something on that level in terms of following my heart's guidance, because there was no plan. I didn't know what I was going to do uh, for work out here or anything like that. And not knowing anyone, it was a huge risk. And all I was feeling around it all was excited. Yeah, I was just excited. And within two months, I was living out here after having that epiphany, like job was done, <laughs> left it all behind and came out here um, in, and moved into the cabin that I'm still in now, 12 years later. 
Nice. Thank you for, for sharing. Beautiful um, <clears throat> story. Um, I yeah. uh, know that, uh, and I mentioned in the introduction, that you also um, tell people how to fast, teach them how to fast. And I'm about to embark on a three-day water fasting, uh, which is very mm. great because I don't have weight to, to lose. You know, it's just from, you know, a cellular level, pretty much uh, like a reset of the cellular, the cellular level. And I'd like to go a little bit deeper for those who also um are looking into doing this uh, on and off um, water uh, fasting what would you recommend mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. well first of all uh well that's amazing for starters that you're about to embark on that have you done uh, a long water fast like that before um close to 22 48 hours okay so the longest you've gone is 48 hours yes yeah. Yeah. So this is a big moment for you. That's amazing. <laughs> well, I, you know, for anyone who's interested in, in long, long-term fasting, I would just say that the, the way I approach these things is taking it slowly. And the longest fasts I've done, you know, have been up to four months at a time, but I, I would say that the way that that was achieved um, the reason that was possible at all is because I started slowly and it didn't start out as me thinking that I was going to be doing a four month fast. Um, it was, it's always been about listening to my body and what feels good. Um, and that's been my method and my approach to fasting, you know, just taking it one day at a time, basically. And I usually recommend to people who are interested in something like this, uh, whether it's juice fasting or water fasting or anything like that, um, to start with small, small goals that are achievable so that it doesn't feel like this long, daunting thing at the very beginning because it can feel really exciting uh, when you're inspired to do a long fast, like a 30-day fast. And for some people, it can work, but it doesn't necessarily work for everyone to have that kind of um, you know, kind of really ambitious goal. So I tend to let, you know, because I'm such a gentle person by nature, I do have these, what are, you know, perceived as very, um, and, ex and experienced as extreme practices that have really changed my life. But my, my nature is very gentle and, I'm also very disciplined. So there's that too, but, but I also, uh, Tend, have tended to, to move through these things just one day at a time where, um, you know, I, I might suggest to a person, you know, just set yourself up for a three-day fast. Set it up for three days. And then once you've moved past three days, check in and see if you'd like to go three more days, you know, and that kind of thing. Like, okay, you've made it to like seven days in a fast. Do you want to go another week? Um, and I've, I kind of pace it that way for myself also, just kind of starting small and, letting the experience itself guide guide me and i uh it's just interesting because the things that have been most formative for my spiritual awakening uh, my spiritual path have been things that i kind of had huge blocks around or, or really just a lot of disdain for like i you know didn't like the desert and now it's you know it's been the the place that's that I love so much and has changed uh, my whole life. And the same is this to be said for fasting, because prior to my journey with fasting, it just felt like the worst thing in the world. Like why in the world would somebody do such a thing to themselves? <laughs> so I had a lot of fear around fasting. And um, so it's, it's, it's been surprising for me to have gone so deep into it. I, it's like I tapped into something that deeply resonated through this practice and it just kind of it, it's moved on its own momentum in terms of how far I've gone with it over many years uh, and the first time I experienced a long-term fast was 90 days that was my first long fast and it sprang out of a two-week fast so I went into this thinking I was doing a two-week fast and it was just feeling so good. I had so much energy and uh, I, there was such a momentum around it that it didn't make sense to stop. There's no need to stop it. So I just kept, kept moving forward. And 
next thing I knew it was a three month long fast. (laughs) And, but I also want to just mention too, that uh, I think something really powerful does happen when we reset our, our whole realities like that. We just take a break from the things that we're used to eating or the things that we're used to doing Um, because fasting net most of the time it's something where you want to be in as restful a state as possible and when i've done these long fasts they've been with juice i haven't done like 90 120 days with just water that's been with juice so it had more uh, of an energizing effect for me Uh, water fasts really require deep rest you really have to like surrender life as you know it (laughs) to take on a water fast and so uh, I think that so much can come from that. And any any fast I've ever done, whether it's been like three days or three months, something important has come from it. And I would even say that I would go as far to say as the most transformational fasts I've had have been the shorter ones, um, just in certain contexts. Like I've done vision quests where I've gone out into nature and and, and, and not had any food or any water at all for a period of days. And, and that's just, you know, like five days or something. And those have been uh, the most <laughs> transformative experiences of my life in contrast to some of these much longer fasts. So it's, it's just interesting. And, and so I, uh, I would say to just listen to the body, listening to your body is the most important thing because it's not for everyone. Um, and we certainly all have our limits, but it's amazing also if, if it's something that does uh, work for you. It's amazing to just experience what you're capable of. And, you know, and, and it's a beautiful strengthening of discipline, too. And there's just so much reward that comes from a, from a practice like that. Thank you. And, and do you prefer uh, distilled water over regular filtered water? Is, is there any difference? Well, I definitely, living in the desert where there's no water, it makes me think about water a lot. <laughs> and I would say that intuitively it feels to me that spring water is the best water that we can be drinking. And of course, most of us don't have access to fresh springs. Uh, so uh, it's it's my preference to, to like bring in spring water, like purchase it, and if I can come across a source of spring water, just, you know, filling up jugs with it. But uh, I feel like because of the mineral content in spring water, um, that that's, that's the best water that we can be drinking. Um, and it is possible to purchase it. So when I'm, when I'm doing water fasts, I, I, I drink spring water for that. Perfect. Thank you. Angela, I would like to turn yeah. down towards I- the ceremonies uh, you are holding and um especially the cacao ceremonies and not too many people outside of the the spiritual yes. community um, are aware of these um, ceremonies which are pretty much all, uh, on top of or in addition to what uh, everyone else is doing like plant medicine can you please expand a little bit mm-hmm. on uh, what you offer sure sure i'd love to share a little bit about cacao uh, cacao is is a plant medicine, uh, but it's she's she's a she's a feminine plant spirit. So I always refer to cacao as she when I'm talking about her. <laughs> and and cacao is a very sacred plant medicine to indigenous cultures, to the ancient Mayans, um, especially. And so it's it's a medicine that's been on the planet for forever like for for forever (laughs) and so but we don't know about it largely until uh more recent years and you know in in my uh the lineage in which i come from with working with cacao um you know it's it's been taught to me that cacao medicine has been held so sacred by the mayans that it was kept hidden like their ceremonies were kept hidden so um it's probably part of the reason why we just don't know about it um, very much, you know, or not aware of these ceremonies. Like what is a cacao ceremony? Uh, I, I knew about cacao on my journey and maybe a lot of people do are familiar with cacao in general, 
um, cacao bean, the, the ingredient in chocolate, which makes chocolate chocolate, but it's the pure source of chocolate that's not uh, processed in any way. So it's cacao is coming from a bean that is grown um, from a cacao tree and cacao trees produce fruit and the beans inside of the fruit are, are, are the cacao that we consume um, that eventually might become chocolate or um, otherwise is just, uh, you know, enjoyed as, as um, pure cacao. And cacao, the reason that we want to work with cacao is as a plant medicine, she's very gentle and on the spectrum of plant medicines, she's on like the most gentle side of the spectrum. Uh, so if you want to have a plant teacher in your life uh, to get to know uh, like a plant spirit and really form a relationship with, with, uh, with this plant that wants to, to bring healing into your life, you know, cacao is a very gentle teacher. And she's basically here to help us learn how to love ourselves more. And that's what I always share about cacao is that she's a plant uh, that is here to help us access the, the greatest reserves of love that dwell within the heart because she's a heart opening medicine. And in that process of opening the heart, it makes it uh, more accessible to access our feelings, things that we might repress or things that we are burying inside, you know, things that ultimately when we have unprocessed emotions, it's going to create some kind of disease in the body. And so she, she brings a lot of healing in to our lives if we allow that, um, if we allow ourselves to receive that kind of gift of opening up our heart through working with her medicine so that we can uh, welcome any kind of experiences or emotions or feelings that we have negative associations with things that we are rejecting about our lives or rejecting about ourselves to love every single aspect of ourselves. And, and I feel that that is the key component to wholeness and to healing is to welcome all that we are and, not rejecting anything, but embracing all that we are and, and that being the key to being a whole, complete, divine being. So, so in other words, the even if we think at cacao like something very uh, dull, when used in a special ceremony, uh, in a special setup, it can induce Got different it. states yeah. of awareness and consciousness and we'll open up our heart to a different uh, perspective right. of, of life. Right. Thank you for clarifying. Yes. Uh, I'll say a couple of things about that. Cacao is a powerful heart opening uh, medicine, a heart healing medicine, but she's also very nutrient dense. And so even um, anyone who's drinking cacao or, or consuming cacao is going to benefit from cacao, you know, in some way, <laughs> because there's so much nourishment. She's considered to be the most nutrient uh, dense food on the planet. She's got a lot going on. And uh, also another thing that is said about her um, with the ancient ones is that she is the food of the gods. So this is indeed a very divine food to be consuming. So it's something that you definitely uh, are encouraged to incorporate into your diet, into your daily life in some kind of way. But yeah, absolutely. Uh, when you're working with uh, a plant medicine like cacao with a certain level of intention, you're going to get a different level of experience out of that for sure. And so that's where ceremony comes in. And, uh, and within a ceremony, what, what's involved, like just kind of like a, a brief way of describing what might be experienced in a cacao ceremony, because, uh, because people can share cacao ceremonies in so many different ways. And so I, I know best how my teachers share cacao ceremony or how, how I, how I share cacao in ceremony, but, uh, 
cacao ceremony is generally drinking the the pure cacao paste that comes from grinding the beans, the whole beans. So you get the whole medicine, nothing is removed um, from cacao when you're using a whole bean. Uh, like for example, if you are using cacao powder, you're not getting the full medicine of cacao because it's missing the fat solids. It's um, it, so you want to, if you want the full medicine and the full nutrients that are available from cacao, you want to use the paste or be eating the beans. Um, and so just a little side note about that, <laughs> but when in ceremony, you're generally drinking the, the pure form of cacao as, as a beverage. And, and in that space, uh, you know, transformation takes place. The heart opens and you're, you might be doing this by yourself or you might be with other people. And when you're with other people, more is possible because the field of energy is stronger. Uh, there's more opening happening. It's, there's a lot more um, support for what's possible too. So I do encourage people to uh, experience ceremonies um, at least with another person just to access deeper experiences of healing um, and you know it's a beautiful time when the heart is open to to explore what's happening in the heart and to connect with the spirit of cacao and really directly receive messages and guidance um, or visuals from her you know and so there's a lot possible within this experience of ceremony and uh, yeah and so there can be music involved. I like to offer mantras or different kinds of sound instruments. This all just helps to open up the heart more and more. Um, and, and so when the heart is open, we are, we feel compassion. We're able to access compassion. We're able to access unconditional love. And so that's kind of the key uh, component to this experience with cacao is that that's that's the big thing we're going after or not necessarily going after it's not a good way to say it but that's that's what we are blessed with is a better way to say it is we are blessed with this experience of unconditional love and so in ceremony we can generate a really powerful field of energy a powerful field of unconditional love that brings healing to us individually it brings healing to the, the circle as a whole and that becomes a powerful uh, transmission of love, unconditional love for the greater world. You know, when it, it's very uh, important, I feel, to be having these kinds of sacred rituals because they really serve to anchor healing energy and unconditional love on the planet. And so that's it's one of uh, my guiding. Um, forces behind why I, I'm called to, to share ceremony at all is because of the anchoring of, of the energy and the blessing is it's multifold. It's something that we bless ourselves with these healing experiences, but it naturally ripples out into the world and impacts uh, everything that is all that is. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Yeah. I have to, um, to experience such um, ceremony. I mean, I did other uh, plant medicine ceremonies, but uh, I will go for the gentle one for sure, uh, because uh, the other ones uh, <laughs> were, some of them were uh, at a different level of uh, excitement. So gentleness is uh, it's good yeah. to have. Angela, uh, you talk about- uh, Well, you know, it's, it's like the- Go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say kind of the the, the greater uh, the greater teaching that cacao brings to us at this time, and the reason that she her medicine these ceremonies are coming into the world now, where people, more and more people are becoming aware of cacao ceremonies and working with cacao as a medicine, is that you know we we see the state of our our world and recognize this time of great transformation that we're in collectively. And so we're in this huge initiation process collectively, globally. And the, uh, the beauty of cacao is that she's helping us to move out of the mind and to drop into the heart. And that's kind of the, in, in my uh, perspective, that's the greater 
initiation that we're all in is that we we have to start learning how to live our lives guided by our hearts and not by the mind and not try to let the mental processes determine you know what's best for us we have to let the heart the truth of who we are everything that that is uh divine we we access that through through the heart and great healing comes to us collectively when more and more people are are accessing the truth of love within themselves and navigating their lives from that place of an open heart and navigating life with unconditional love and compassion yes indeed thank you and and you mentioned the state of the world how do you perceive um the world um moving forward in the next two to three years let's say spiritually are we going to to come together and move this planet to towards the light or what's your perspective please well i my perspective on that is that i feel that we have come through a pretty intense phase of our initiation i, I do feel that we're on the other side of it to an extent uh, I don't think that we're um, in the free and clear zone. <laughs> I think there's still a lot of work to do. <laughs> but I think that this process has been necessary for a lot of people to wake up and to recognize that change needs to happen and, and that the change has to happen within ourselves. Mm-hmm. And that's why there's a lot of uh, spiritual awakening taking place on uh, the last few years. And, you know, so it's, it's coming in these waves of of awakening and what wants to come through right now is that we are well positioned to to come to a to a healing place but there's more work to be done there's more work to be done and i think that there's a lot of uh a lot that we are kind of experiencing that requires patience and i feel like this is something that we need to as a medicine collectively is we need to uh, learn to be more patient and the things that we're doing now are the outcomes or the the the, the greater gifts the greater um advancements probably come at a point where we don't get to actually directly experience them and we have to recognize the beauty of that. <laughs> that that it takes time for transformation to take place and i i think that's really important an important part of the initiation because we are in a time on the planet where things are so sped up and we have this expectation that we just have things as soon as we want it there's this kind of quick um quick uh you know we're just we want our we want to be satisfied immediately with something you know <laughs> and the attention spans are very short it that's that's the word i wasn't <laughs> grabbing it yeah thank you thank you totally we we want instant gratification and uh and and i you know that's that's very damaging you know when we have such short attention spans and and we don't get to live life in a way where we really get to appreciate uh, how much more strong and uh, grounded in experiences can be when they take time to form and that we have to like struggle <laughs> or be challenged by something in order to really grow and expand. And I really feel that for myself too. And it's been a big part of my journey living in the desert as I've been very challenged living here. This has not been an easy place to live. And I don't regret a single moment of it. This has all been for my own learning and my own expansion. And when, you know, and the same thing could be said for fasting as well like that's a patient process and <laughs> you can't you, you you can't expect a quick a quick reward from something like that uh you you can't just you know and we're in a culture we want to take a pill or something that uh you know fixes us or heals us immediately and so but yeah we've we've lost the the ability to appreciate a patient process and and why it's necessary for uh, a really powerful healing transformative journey. There are no quick results for for extraordinary life-changing experiences. And if we want the planet to change, it's going to take time. And I think it better serves us to 
uh, appreciate the journey of it rather than, you know, hoping that it'll all be over soon. <laughs> um, and I, I think too, that there's something really uh, a powerful practice in fasting because we were talking about fasting and, and I think that there's something that, you know, some people are, are critical about a practice like that because they, they see it as being something that's depriving yourself of something like we, you shouldn't have to do that or like that it's not healthy or something like that, you know, and I, honor that perspective but at the same time i feel like it's such a powerful practice to uh if it's you know if, if you're approaching this from a healthy mindset um that to deprive yourself of something as a as a practice makes you more resilient you know it's it's something that helps you access your true strength within and and resources and reserves of power that you didn't know that you had. <laughs> and so I, I really feel strongly about that. And you know, as as an example, like if if there's a time on the planet again, like we did experience a couple of years ago where there was this scare that maybe we won't have access to food, you know, when when everything kind of got really shaken up suddenly, you know, and people are freaking out. They're going to the grocery stores and, and, and hoarding all the food into their shopping carts and doing things like that. And because of my relationship to food and my relationship to fasting, when all of that part of, of the, you know, the chaos was going down on the planet, I was not afraid of going hungry. I was not afraid of starving. I just thought to myself, the thirst thoughts that came to my mind during that time frame were the knowing, like, I don't actually really need food. I'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. Like that's kind of a powerful thing rather than being, you know, in fear and, you know, feeling like I'm going to die if I don't have food. And I just have the knowing in me like, well, I'm going to be fine at least a week if I don't have food or water. I know that. So, <laughs> At least you have sun, uh, permanent sun yeah. there, vitamin D. Uh, yeah. You know, you can get your prana directly from nature. Exactly. So, the yeah. na nature is, is, a, is the source of prana at that point. Yeah. And yeah. because we're talking about, um, you know, awakening, it, I, I strongly believe that uh, awakening comes in, in steps for most of uh, most of us. And yeah. uh, one of the well, the first step is um, to get the truth. And um, uh, truth these uh, days, you know, is a concept that is losing uh, ground and uh, is being turned into deception or is being distorted. Um, mm -hmm. You also developed a program called Descent into Truth. Uh, mm. Can you expand on that, please? Sure. Yeah, it's it's probably one of my most favorite things that I offer is Descent into Truth. And that, you know, I was sharing a little bit earlier about cacao uh, helping us to access the parts of ourselves that we might normally reject so that we learn how to love these hidden rejected pieces of ourselves to, to be in a, in a state of wholeness, to experience wholeness. And that's essentially what descent into truth is about. And that's a really kind of specifically astrologically timed program that coincides with when the planet Venus goes retrograde. And that's a cycle that doesn't happen very often. So it happens every 18 months. And so Venus retrograding is about a 40 day process. And so I run this program for the, for the duration of Venus retrograde. So it's, it's a, around a 40 day long program. And, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a journey <laughs> that I channeled. And so it's, it's a, it's a totally original, um, channeling of an experience, but it's derived from ancient texts that are kind of describe where this whole or like what the significance of Venus retrograde is about. And just in a nutshell, when Venus goes retrograde, it's this symbolic uh, myth of the story of a goddess in ancient Sumeria, um, in ancient Sumer, uh, that is, is Inanna, who is known as the queen of heaven and earth. And when and she is seen in ancient Sumer as uh, Venus in the sky. So Venus is Inanna. And when, when uh, Inanna or when Venus goes retrograde, it's a journey that Inanna takes through the underworld because Venus is hidden from the sky. And 
and Venus descends as the evening star. And then on the other side of the Venus retrograde, she is rebirthed as the morning star. So it's, it's a huge transformative journey that Venus or Inanna is taking through the underworld. And, and to go through the underworld is a very dark, shadowy sort of experience, but it's an initiation process. And it's something where we're being uh, invited to meet our shadow aspects and to find the truth of our nature within all of it basically you know i mean i could go on and on and on about it but but through that process which is inherently a death rebirth it's the death of the morning or it's the death of the evening star and the rebirth of the morning star and that's a journey that we can take with venus um by working with her cycles you know in in that venus retrograde timing so that's that's what venus or that's what descent into truth is about it's about descending into the truth of our hearts and re-emerging as uh, rebirthed morning stars yes and i think also this program also can tie into the uh, womb chakra healing uh, mm -hmm. which also um, is about you know inner discovery um, mm -hmm. do you want to talk about that as well Sure, sure. Yeah, I am uh, initiated in, in a lineage that has a lot of knowledge in ancient practice around the womb chakra. Uh, and it's, it's a it's, it's an energy center in the body that a lot of people aren't really aware of. It's, it's kind of considered to be newer information that has uh, been brought back to the planet uh, in these modern times. But it's, it's said that the womb chakra is a chakra point in the body that is its own energy center. It's not the second chakra, which, um, you know, it, it might be considered, uh, you know, the womb is part of the second chakra. But in, in, in these ancient teachings, these come from palm leaf manuscripts, these teachings uh, that were um, in, located in India and retrieved by a modern day saint named Sri Fleshwar. And it's all this amazing information about how the womb chakra is uh, the most sacred, powerful point in the body. It's the point of our uh, divinity in the physical body. And that it's not something that uh, only women have. For example, it's uh, every single human has a womb chakra. And this has a lot to do with all, all of us, all humans having the access to our divinity and that we are and we have the birthright um, or, or our divinity is our birthright, I should say. So the womb chakra, the healing process that, uh, that I offer uh, through this lineage, through healing work and through uh, sacred practices uh, helps to purify it and strengthen the, the power of the womb chakra uh, because there's a lot of trauma that can be stored in the womb chakra. So there's a need to, to clear it and to heal it and to develop a strong, powerful connection and relationship with the womb chakra. And in this lineage, it's, it's said that we all are birthed out of the, all of our souls basically are birthed out of the womb chakra of divine mother. Mm -hmm. And so we all have access to her womb chakra and we all have access to her creation energy. And so the healing work with the womb chakra and practices that you can undergo on your own uh, helps you to, to cultivate and strengthen that relationship with divine mother and ultimately your own divine nature. So it's, it's been a really um, powerful piece in my own healing journey and, and my work as, as a healer. Um, and so it's something that's continuing to expand in my own offerings and services. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. And yeah. Angela, you are in uh, Joshua Tree right now. Are you going to stay there for much longer time or your journey will take you somewhere else? It is really hard to say right now. <laughs> <laughs> We're having this, this interview at a very interesting time in my life here. <laughs> um, I, I have to leave my home actually after 12 years and it's not something that was my choice, but it's something that 
I, I, I do believe that I have chosen, you know, it doesn't feel like it, but I've chosen it. So I feel like I'm being uh, called to be somewhere else. So this is kind of the last uh, uh, interview that I'm going to be doing um, in this space. And it's, it's very special and sacred for me to, to be able to like have the last couple of weeks that I have living here to, to share this time with you and your audience. So really appreciate it. But I do not know where I'm moving next, actually. I just know I have to get out. And that's, that's clear. <laughs> and it's, it's a hugely <laughs> divinely led process where there's just a lot of trust right now. And I don't know if ultimately I will stay in Joshua Tree. I just have to be honest about that. But um, I might and I, I might not. So I'm, I'm open and I'm listening for that guidance to come in uh, that just has not come in uh, clearly at this point. So it's a huge life shift and it's definitely rocking the foundation of this whole beautiful journey I've been able to share a little bit about with you today. <laughs> and so it's exciting because it feels like uh, the divine, divine mother is definitely uh, setting me up for something you know, really big for the future because I need it. And, and I'm, and, you know, it's like that, that initiation of patience and trust and surrendering to the unknown, which has always been such a, you know, these have been key pillars in the work that I do with people is, is surrendering to the unknown and trusting what you, um, trusting the divine and, and trusting in the mystery. And I'm definitely living it right now. So <laughs> yeah. You did a great job with the with the space. It looks beautiful uh, behind you. So, <laughs> yeah, and I can yeah. see the reflection uh, of, uh, of the desert in the the window behind you a little bit. So, yeah, empty space. It's been a true gift living here, and I, as you can see, I've not packed it up yet, and I have to be gone at the end of the month. So, <laughs> Angela, we are uh, approaching the end of the the interview. Any final thoughts? Um, I don't, I don't think so. Um, I've just been so, I mean, again, I feel like this, this interview and this opportunity to, to connect with you has come at a really uh, meaningful time in my life. And it's been a really beautiful uh, time of just reflecting on the wholeness of my journey. Uh, in this conversation with you, at, as I'm at the precipice of, of a whole new cycle beginning. And I have, you know, received so much from from this from this path, living in this way. You know, everything that I've come to in my spiritual journey, whether it's the fasting or womb chakra healing, cacao ceremony, ceremony in general, it's all happened through my surrendering to the unknown of the desert and living in this way. You know, and so that's kind of the the gift, the great gift that I've I've been blessed with is just that. Uh, ability to uh, surrender to the unknown and so that's just kind of one of my my final offerings to your audience is is the power of surrendering to the unknown and just trusting your heart to guide the way forward because there are extraordinary things that you can't even imagine that are possible when you just trust the guidance of your heart thank you very much and i wish you a smooth time uh, moving uh, to the new location either at the Joshua Tree or somewhere else in the world. Thank you. Thank you, thank you so much. And uh, to my viewers, thank you for watching. Um, share it, like it. Uh, get a free copy of my book when you visit uh, my website. And until next time, love and gratitude. <laughs>